1: Hey, one-hit thunders, thunderheads, thunderbuns. All right, I'll just go with one-hit thunder listeners. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song that they have written. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis. Punk rock favorites such as Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz. Up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. And even some of the artists that have been featured on One Hit Thunder. The show is even produced by One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius. What more could you possibly ask for? Krista Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. I guarantee you'll like it or we'll give you your money back.
0: Welcome to the most bass-heavy episode of One Hit Thunder ever. Thanks to Level 42's 1985 single, Something About You, we get into a lot of talk about the best instrument in the world, the good old electric bass. Frontman Mark King's bass proficiency is impressive, but his songwriting is, well, next level. Stay tuned for a fun conversation about a jazz fusion band that drew us into the stream of Undefined Illusion.
2: By fate, suffer
1: so hard From the games Played One hit is all you
3: need To make the
1: money guaranteed And you can live
2: off royalties Forever And
0: it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder
1: Or is it
2: So, Matt, as a bassist, you know I'm excited for this episode. I did not know this band. I don't even think I know this song. Really? Until we sat down and watched a bunch of their stuff. And uh, A, dug it, yeah, liked it, really into it. This is my type of music. But I realized that when we do these Patreon votes, mm-hmm. which is this one. You've won two in a row now. Yeah, I love it. The big divide is, is like... It's like you go about ninety one and later, okay, and I go like ninety three and higher with my stuff. I always you like, mean ninety one and before? Yeah, yeah, like like early. Like you, you think go, I go eighties and 90s? you go eighties? Yeah. Well, I think 80s. it's that we go with what our childhood is. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean, so because yeah. I was like, man, Chris has a very distinct leaning into that like nostalgia of the eighties pop music. Where as we've learned multiple times, my preference is to lean into like those one-off post-Kurt Cobain modern rock songs that I just love. I think if we're talking in general,
0: I think the 80s one-hit wonders are better than the 90s one-hit wonders.
2: I am not going to disagree with you. I think that almost sometimes the 80s ones are... I think the 80s ones sometimes will fall into a little bit more of a questionable territory Whereas the 90s ones are usually very definitive. Well, the
0: 80s ones too, a lot of times, are bands that were massively successful in the UK and Europe in general. And then
2: they come over here and they have like one hit and then like this minor like bottom rung of the top 40 follow-up single.
0: (laughs) Well, this song came back into my life. I mean, I knew this song when I was a kid. Probably didn't pay much attention to it. It was something on the radio. It was very 80s sounding. This song came back into my life in the past 3 or 4 years we did a tour with less than jake yeah. where they're front of house guy mo every day the first thing you would hear once they were you know testing the sound system at the club you're loading in is this song Ooh. because when cranked through a big sound system it sounds absolutely incredible i remember over the years Maybe it was a Bowling for Soup tour we did or something. Their front of house guy always used Sledgehammer as that song. These songs where they just sound so good that when they're pumped through a system, it's like, oh my God, this song is amazing. And this is one of
2: those songs. I think an element of that, and this could also be the divide of the 80s songs being better than the 90s songs. There's just so much more happening in these songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, like most of the 90s one hit wonders, it's like, Three to four dudes with some instruments just playing a rock song. Right. You know what I mean? You go into this and it's like sledgehammer. It's like how many different moving pieces are happening simultaneously oh, in that song?
0: This song too. Yeah. You know?
2: and, and, well, and that's what I'm saying. We're using sledge, But yeah, I mean, this is... When I when you first picked this song and it, it was like a runaway win, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. But when I looked, I was like... Chris picked a jazz fusion band. Like Chris hates jazz. I, <laughs> and then <laughs> I listen to it. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> You're thinking of Johnny hates jazz, which is an <laughs> episode we still have to do. Shattered dreams. We but, will get there one day for yes. sure.
0: But yeah, I'm not big. Be- I don't think of them as jazz fusion. I think of this as, I mean, for lack of a better word, I think of this as like a new wave song. You know, and it's definitely got. I mean. The slap bass definitely makes it funky. And I like funk, man. I think it's more funk, you know, funk pop than it is. The jazz, I don't know. Maybe the fact that there is sometimes some saxophone and
2: stuff featured in it. Well, jazz is one of those things where it is so like, you know, there's like so many varieties of it. Mm -hmm, You know what I mean? Like, I definitely don't think of this as jazz the same way that I think of Kenny G as jazz. Sure. You know what I mean? Okay. But, but maybe something that's more of, you know, if was not, was considered themselves a jazz band because it was like very funky in like this acid jazz fusion. I could absolutely see these guys kind of syncing up with that same sound of like undeniably talented musicians, undeniably complicated everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then mix in this like legitimate fusion of like this funk this well, this this rock this pop like they are combining all of these sounds into something that really it like when we we're watching I'm like I don't really know who I would even say this really sounds like it it sounds like Level Forty Two yeah <laughs> it's it, it's
0: their own thing for sure and as you and I watched plenty of videos of them before we recorded this episode we saw this band started out as an instrumental band yep like they were like a progressive jazz fusion funk band they're from the Isle of Wight in the United Kingdom which is a place where with a lot of like resorts it's like a vacation destination so as Mark King said in the interview that we saw Mark King being the bassist and one of the vocalists of this band it was a place where if you were a working musician if you were a band you could you could sustain yourself as a working musician so yeah. I think that's where they you know, uh, refined their craft and got really, really good. Now the other guy who sings in this song, who sings like the high, the very high, like kind of falsetto vocals is Mike Lindup. He's the keyboardist and percussionist, but there are also two brothers in this band, Boone Gould, who's uh, guitarist and saxophonist and Phil Gould, who played drums. And as we learned the Gould brothers, once they kind of got away from being like, I don't know, trying to take their instrumental (laughs) uh, progressive music and and they, you know, Mark and Mike knew like, hey, if we want to be successful, if we want to go from selling 60,000 albums to trying to sell half a million albums, we need to have a hit. And that's where their first song that kind of caught on, not in the United States, but in the UK, it reached number three in the UK was Lessons in Love, which you and I watched the video for, and the song it rules. It is a very good song. I'm not proud. I was it is
2: so cool love the bass on it love the melodies well and that was after the song that we're talking about something about you oh something about you popped off in the US first oh and that's when the record label was like you need if if you're able to get a pop song on the United States radio radio yeah. there is zero reason why we shouldn't be able to get you blowing up in the UK. And that's when they really pushed that song. And I feel like I'm of two minds of it, right? Because I do get the one mind of, hey, like you said, if you want to go from 60,000 records to 600,000 records, you got to have a pop song. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that's fair. I also could see the side of like, this isn't music we like. (laughs) You know, like if it's music you don't like playing, I don't think enough records sold is going to change the fact that like now you're stuck playing this music that you don't like. Um, and I know that both of them also said that part of it was exhaustion because again, if you think that the bands, I think that it was two different goals for the band between the four guys who started it. Okay. So I think two guys were ready to be this big touring band and two other guys were perfectly happy having a livable life, Playing at the Isle of Wight right in the hotel scene that he spoke of. Okay. Well, <laughs> the Gould brothers
0: weren't happy about, I don't know, the the sound change. It was a combination of their style change and also the success. They, yeah. they weren't ready to handle that. And dude, <laughs> I don't get that.
2: So this is the thing that I read. Guys, the Wikipedia page is like reading a short novella. Yeah. There are so many pieces to this puzzle, but it said... That uh, despite the despite their success, Level Forty Two was on the brink of splitting up. Although feel I keep wanting to say feel good, although Phil Gold <laughs> was the most visibly disf- dissatisfied member, it was actually Boone who was first to leave, departing in late 1987 following their opening slot on a Madonna tour. He was the quietest member of the band, and it surprised everybody that he suddenly left. However, he had been suffering constant nervous breakdowns and exhaustion of the lifestyle of a touring musician and wanted to just settle down and spend time with his wife and children. Boone's relationship with the band, they remained amicable. Although he did not return to level 42 as a performing or recording member, he did continue to write lyrics for the band's songs after he left. Oh, wow.
0: Well, dude, I mean, if you're not happy about the fact that your song, your band has a hit song and you're touring with Madonna, nothing's going to make you happy in music. No. So, <laughs> so it makes sense. And if he had a family and kids and didn't want to be away from them and also was having, you know, issues mentally, I mean, yeah. if you're having breakdowns and stuff, that makes sense. I can't fault him for that.
2: But, yeah. you know. And I mean, I, I can see it from the other lens of... I had my, my uncle's band, who I've talked about on here a few times, they... Before they became like the number one cover band in Philadelphia, when they were first starting out early on in their career, they were a big band swing kind of fusion band in 1996, Mm -hmm. which meant that at one point they were offered a record contract and they even went and recorded it in a studio. And he said it was a situation of bad timing, like they were working on the record just as like the swing craze started to die down. So eventually the label was just like, eh, we changed our mind. And they they got dropped. But my uncle has always... Like, I asked him if he regretted that. And he was like, no. He's like, I get to play all these crazy events. Like, I get to do all this cool shit. Like, he played, like, a wedding for Tim Burton and Johnny Depp in the Bahamas at one point because of, like, the connections that they made and the reputation that they had built up. Wow. And he's like, I get to go and do those shows for a weekend and then come home to my family and just, like live a full-time job as a musician doing what I love yeah. without like having to be grinding it on the road for five months a <laughs> sure. year. It's like, you can't fault that you can't fault the desire to be like, Hey, I'd love to play music. I just don't want to literally spend half of the year, living in a van with a a bunch of friends. Yeah, but I am That's not for everybody, for sure. (laughs) Okay, maybe, but Level 42 had
0: hit songs. They're touring in a bus and with Madonna. That's true. That's fair. So, I mean, you could probably bring your family with you, for (laughs) for Christ's sake. That is true. I, I can't sympathize with the Gold Brothers too much, but obviously they had a lot going on. Now, Mark and Mike... I mean, I think these guys are just beasts. I mean, they're crazy as singers, as I mean, (laughs) as a keyboardist, as a bassist. Once again, that's what I started this episode with. Mark King, I believe, is the king of bass. We watched him play. (laughs) There's a YouTube called like greatest bass solo ever. I don't know if it was the greatest bass solo ever, but you see that he's like an amazing slap bassist. Yeah, I was
2: gonna say, I feel like it's hard to throw any. Slap bass, and this is coming from a guy who doesn't play bass. Mm -hmm. Slap bass is a thing that is very cool and sounds very cool. And I think that if you don't know a ton about bass, it's also very easy to trick people into thinking it's like the craziest thing that's ever happened. Maybe. It was very impressive and cool yeah, though. I, I, I will stand by that. But. I don't I don't slap the bass. I, I pick the bass. So
0: yeah, I see that and I'm like, I can't do that at all. So I think that's really cool. Have you ever tried the slap and mm. just didn't like it or it's just not I yet? never spent any time trying to even learn it. Yeah. And I mean, because in the style of music I play, it's just it's not necessary, even though I should at some point be like, you know what? be fun to slap the bass even if it's just a quick little pop in the middle of like a bridge yeah you're right you're right and i don't know why i've never you know i'm a pretty okay bassist you know know,
2: that might be the thing that's that might be the you know you always talk about that moment that happens in a song that sticks out for everybody yeah maybe it's this pretty poppy song and then all of a sudden it stops for 20 seconds of some slap bass right into think, a chorus. You think a 20-second break for a slap bass? Hey, we just need a quick 84 bars of slap.
0: <laughs> Maybe not 80. Yeah, just 42 real quick. Yeah, and these guys as singers, now Mike sings like kind of the the more normal vocals, and then Mike always does like the falsetto high vocals. Just a great a combination of vocal stylings there. It's just a, a killer combo. Something About You went on to become... A number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 hit in 1985. I think it's amazing. What else is amazing, and I made Matt watch, is when they play live, watching what he's playing on bass matched with him also singing at the same time. Insane. Yeah. I mean, I could play what he's playing like a pick version of it, but to also sing at the same time takes a lot of concentration. I'm sure it's second nature to him at this point, but he talked about even that other song we were talking about that then well, I I guess was the next single. I didn't realize that it was.
2: So this is the other thing that's crazy is like it is. If you were to ask anybody in any other country, (laughs) Hey, name a level 42 song. They would say lessons in love, right? Like that was like, the song that crossed over into all of these other countries and then just did like a modest job mm-hmm. <laughs> in the States, right? And that song,
0: as we watched an interview with Mark King and he played it and sang it, I was like, Oh my god, I want to write songs where I could just pick up a bass and sing and play, and it's still amazing because he played Lessons in Love on the bass, and he said to this day, it's still the hardest like bass line, and it's not. The bass line isn't something, it's kind of just like scales, but the rhythm of it and then him singing at the same time, it just sounds so good. It's very impressive. And he said to this day, it's still like kind of the hardest thing to play and sing at the same time. That song went on to reach number three in the UK, and it actually did hit number
2: 12 on the Billboard. Yeah, it did okay.
0: 100. And for our like I mean that's kind of high enough in the Billboard no,
2: across so, everything it breaks our metrics so no counts one hand wonder but
0: but I don't think I didn't know that song then I I didn't know it until doing research for this this song now that song hasn't stood the test of time as much as I think that something about you has like I think something about you still gets played on once again adult contemporary easy listening stations it's still it's a song I knew you know, it's a song I've, I've always kind of known, and I think it's great. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians,
2: actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian MacKay from Fugazi
0: and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.
3: Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a die-hard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the head-banging begin.
2: And they're constantly trying to, like, re-piece a band together. And I'm going to bring it into a little bit of Bummer Town, but did you read about the guitarist that they brought in shortly after that? No. So the band recovered after the split of the original lineup, but then they were hit with another tragedy. Unknown to the band, their new guitarist, Alan Murphy, was suffering from AIDS, something that he kept to himself when he joined the band at the time his previous band uh, his previous band go west so this what? was a former member of go west wow had been stalled due to some internal disagreements and one of reason one of his reasons of joining level 42 was to ensure that he got to spend the last days of his life playing the music that he loved jeez um, but during 1989 he contracted pneumonia and weakened by his already existing condition he declined rapidly and died in october of 1989 Wow. I did not know that. So yeah, that was like a year or two after all the members, half the, half the team left. But I was like, a, that's really sad. B credit to Alan Murphy. C that also means that he died right before King of wishful thinking comes out too. Wow. Wow. Cause that was 1990, right?
0: I don't remember, but that would have um, been when
2: pretty woman came out was 1990. So yeah, like it's like, that's tragic. It's a sad, it's a sad story. Let's pick it up a little bit with two things. Number one, do you get the reference in the number 42 for level 42?
0: I do. It's actually a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And in that, 42 is the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything, which I don't get. Have you ever read the book? No. (laughs) I will explain it to you because I have read the entire series. Oh, wow. Okay. So,
2: So in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the Earth is destroyed. Okay. That's how the book starts. And this one guy is brought up by his neighbor who was an alien who was there to make sure that Earth didn't get destroyed and he failed. But he's like, I like my neighbor, so I'm going to take him up to outer space with me. And the whole book is this neighbor learning about everything. And it is a very British thing. Mm-hmm. It started as a radio drama that then became a book, that then became a TV series, that then became a movie. Okay. <laughs> it's like a huge piece of like British comedy. The reason Earth was destroyed was because hundreds of years ago, all of the greatest scientists in the universe built a supercomputer. And the supercomputer was going to tell them the meaning of life, the universe, everything. And the computer produced the number 42. And they didn't understand it. (laughs) And the machine said, perhaps you don't know what the question is that I'm answering then. So then they built Earth as a machine that after a certain amount of years, would produce the question so that they could know what 42 was the answer to. But someone didn't want them to have that knowledge, so they destroyed the earth before it could produce its question. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, so that's... That, that's a very popular geek thing mm-hmm. is 42 being a number. When I worked at a comic book shop, and you can literally, if you talk to anybody in any comic book shop, they'll probably tell you this. They usually have maybe 100 mail slots that people can subscribe to their comics in. And you can pick your number The two first numbers to go in any comic book shop is 42 and 37 for clerks. Wow. (laughs) Those are like the two numbers that go instantly when a new comic book shop opens. I thought you were going to say 69. No, you would think. but (laughs) That's probably number three. Probably number three, but yeah, the geeky people want either the forty-two or they want the (laughs) thirty-seven. Wow! Uh, See, you're you're teaching me, and I love it. Do we want to talk about what was on the Billboard charts when this guy was when this song "Something About You" was doing? Love, I would love to know. Number seven. This was number seven. Peaked on May thirty first, nineteen eighty six. Okay, I love nineteen eighty six. Number one song: Whitney Houston, "Greatest Love of All." Okay, all right. A few of the other highlights. Janet Jackson was sitting at number 10 with what have you done for me? Oh,
0: what have you done for me lately? Mm -mm -mm
2: -mm. Number nine, we had journey with be good to yourself, which was one of the later journey
0: songs. I don't think I know that
2: one. It's a good one. I believe it's their opening song at most of their shows now because it's kind of a, a fan favorite. Number eight, Mr. Mr. Is it love? Okay. I was expecting broken wings. Not the case. No, no. (laughs) Number four, I'll I'll play my hand here. My favorite song out of these songs. OMC, If You Leave. OMD. OM... Oh, I had a typo here. Yeah. OMC um, is how bizarre. How OMD. Bizarre. Yeah.
0: Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. dark. If, if you, you, leave. you Leave. Amazing don't song. Leave.
2: No. Oh, it's so good. One of my favorite 80s songs. Then the sure. last two, we had at number three, On My Own, Patti LaBelle featuring Michael McDonald.
0: On My Own. Yeah.
2: And number two... Maybe this is why she asked him to tour with her. Madonna oh. would live to tell. Oh,
0: dude, that's my favorite Madonna song.
2: <laughs> that's the best
0: Madonna song. This
2: was your dream charts, it seems
0: Da-da-da-da. like. You got some
2: Michael McDonald, some Madonna, some OMD, some Whitney Houston, and some Level 42, and Janet all in your top 10. Dude, that is really good. Not one of my favorite Janet
0: songs, but, dude, OMD, that is also one of my favorite I'm surprised we haven't done an OMD episode because they had another, they did have another song. I was going to say, I
2: think they had another, I think that's one that people have always asked about. And then we look and we're like,
0: but the other (laughs) song is kind of like this situation. This lessons in love song was number 12, man, you know? And so we, we gave level 42 a pass. I think we should give OMD a pass that, that is peak 1986 with if you leave and this song on there and dude, live to tell my favorite Madonna song. Uh, Really impressed with that. Also really impressed with after the Gould brothers split, you and I watched the music video for the song children say once again, loved it. Great song. (laughs) Once again, loved the music video where they were so close to each
2: other, looking at each other and singing in each other's faces. So close. It was as if, (laughs) if it wasn't for the fact that I already read that it was shot in Paris, Uh I would have believed that it was like, Hey, we're going to green screen you into Paris, but there's some bad news. We, the green screen is just this broom closet. Yeah, so yeah. It's the smallest, world's smallest green screen. Get in tighter, guys. Nope, tighter. Nope, tighter. They, you know, like, there's that meme that's like, kiss. Like, it is, they are just one look away from full on making out midway through yeah, that yeah, music they, video. They, are, they should be face to face. With
0: it. They should be <laughs> smashed face together.
2: But um, another good song. Like, I, I you did it. not play me a song by level 42 that I wasn't like, Yep. Yep, dig it. So then, you and I together sat down and watched an interview
0: from recent years. From I think it was a BBC show, some sort of British show. It was
2: definitely British. <laughs> yes, it was definitely British, but it was great. You know, yeah. the, the, I love British interview shows, man. They're just so loose and weird.
0: Yeah, it was it was very fun. But Mark King kind of told the story, and he said. He was talking about how cool it is that after all these years they can still go play shows, sometimes go go do some tours and people were there, no pressure of like competing with other bands or anything and they just get to go up there and kill it. And then on this show Mark played they played Ace of Bass, I think they called it, where yeah. people had to write down what song he would play a song on bass and they had to guess what it is and he played Joy Division, "Level Terrace Tear Us Apart and then he played Jackson 5, I Want You Back on Bass and the whole crowd sang along and I don't know, man, when I watch this guy, I just really like him. He seems really likable and
2: yeah. as much as the band has had a lot of lineup changes, the two constants have yes. been Mark and Mike. Yes. Mark and Mike have, have stuck it through <laughs> and, and I mean... I think the music is better for it. They have fantastic harmony parts. Yes. They trade off the the low and the high parts of the vocals well like mm-hmm. This is a ba- this is a good band. I'm Go- glad that you introduced this band to me. This is a good band.
0: Go watch some live videos of Level Forty Two, and you'd be like, "This is crazy." There's like a female backup singer and a keyboardist and a saxophonist. And it's a-, a very limited setup for what the sound is. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Mike is pulling a lot of weight on the keys. He's yeah. got a lot of sounds, a lot of patching in a lot of cool sounds, and Mark on the bass is just I don't know. It, that that's such a big part of this. That's why what i said to you when less than jake used to uh their their front of house guy mo used to pump this through to test out the system that bass just hit so hard that's such a big part of their sound and of course i'm going to like that yeah you know me
2: it, it goes without saying that this is thunder for this me this is 100% thunder who am i again i've said this a couple of times who am i <laughs> to sit here in judgment of level 42 like right. They're great musicians. These are great songs. I will definitely be listening to more of them. I'll definitely be watching more Mark King videos.
0: Yeah, I would thank the One Hit Thunder podcast. I would, th- I would thank our own podcast for making me dive in more. Like, I do love this song, but I realize this is just this is just a great band.
2: Is there going to be a couple songs from this band that make it into that playlist that you talk about? That's just songs that you like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have a playlist that's uh, songs that move me. Yeah. It's just for years I've just been adding as I hear songs. Could be an old song that I just have recently been exposed to, or it could be a new song that I hear, or it could be a song I'm like, oh, I forgot about that song. Gonna add it to this. Yes. I mean, something about you's already been on it, but. I think I'm going to add Lessons in Love and possibly Children's say Yeah, they're great songs. They're, they're really, really good. And as we were sitting there, you know, when we're watching this on YouTube, I have my studio speaker set up. So you're here. Oh, they
2: sound fucking great. Yeah, yeah,
0: they sound good, right? So it really accentuates this. I highly encourage when you listen to Level 42, either listen to it through some good speakers or listen to it in some really good AirPods. um i think you'll be impressed at what you all the stuff that's going on that you hear and i think that makes me love this band even more thunder all the way baby
1: covered in thumbtacks and wearing the legs of an eight costume the middle got a rat on my shoulder i try to look for this has been one hit remember. thunder one hit thunder is hosted by
2: chris Mifagos of the bands punchline pack and another cheetah and produced by matt kelly of geekscape.net underneath me you're hearing coyotes and b major off the punchline album delightfully please visit punchline.com for merch tour dates and news we're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote for future episodes at patreon.com/OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder.
1: Yeah. I in fact, I turn the clock around to sing this chorus. A disclaimer of sound. I think we should just be friends. I think we should just be friends. I think we should just. Be friends. You're listening to the
3: GeekScape Network. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a die-hard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Welcome to us talking about our podcast
0: for a minute. What's the name of that podcast?
2: That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all.
0: (laughs) And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom.